This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay. Hello, and welcome back. Last week, we spoke to two very influential people in my life, Holly Probst and Dame Anne Glogue. I loved when Anne shared the story of instilling in her children that you always have enough to help other people. My guest this week took a different path to giving back and has been helping women feel beautiful ever since. She made a decision to change her life, and boy, did she. In San Diego, I found work in public relations and had clients in the tech industry. To be honest, most of them were jerks. I remember this one guy who was mad at me that he wasn't on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. I explained that without a bigger hook, that wasn't going to happen. And he said to me, Dana, who is the boss of you? It is me, that's who. As I was flipping him off into the phone, I knew right then I wanted to be my own boss one day. Jamie Kern Lima is a New York Times bestselling author and founder of It Cosmetics, a company she started in her living room and has since grown into the largest luxury makeup brand in the country. Jamie sat down with me to talk about her book, Believe It, how to go from underestimated to unstoppable, and to share what she learned along the winding journey of finding her authentic self. an honor to talk to you. Uh, first, before we get started about anything else, I have to tell you that during work from home, we all did uh, a lot of our shows either from a guest bedroom or the basement, the garage, or even in a van. And we had to do our own hair and makeup. And guess what they sent with me so that I could make sure I did my makeup well. It was <laughs> It Cosmetics. And I absolutely love it. I recommend it to everybody. So congratulations to you on creating such an amazing product. Oh, thank you so much. Um, that literally fills my heart. One of my whole visions was like, you know, I'm just not a person that wants to spend a million hours doing hair and makeup. And I'm like, how can I create something that literally just, you know, does the work for me was my goal. So thank you for saying that. I love that they sent that home with you. Oh, yes, they did. So, okay. So before we talk more about that, let's go to, if you don't mind, I feel like Everybody could read your story and everyone should read your book. Absolutely. But I also think that people really learn well just by being able to relate to people and understand where did you get started and how did you end up where you were at the age of 31 when you created the product? If you could just maybe walk us through that life yeah. story. Of course. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny how, how life works, right? For me, it was really, it's really been a story of things that I thought were my setbacks, um, turning into my setups for, for what God called me to do. And, and, uh, and so, um, 
I love, I love sharing this. Thank you for asking just because I think anyone going through a time where they're like, where am I going and what is my purpose? And I think sometimes when we're in the tough times, that's when it reveals our, it reveals itself. So, you know, for me, I, I, I grew up thinking, um, that I knew what I wanted to do in my life. I, I would sit in my living room every day and watch, you know, Oprah and talk shows. And I, I loved other people's stories. So I, I thought, you know, I'm going to grow up and, and share other people's stories with the world. And, and I eventually was in my dream job and, and I was working as a television news anchor um, in Portland, Oregon. I started in a really small market and then kind of worked my way up and, and thought that's what I was going to do forever. And, uh, and then I entered this kind of season of setback and it started with, um, I developed hereditary rosacea, uh, which, you know, is a, is a skin condition. And, and for me, it, it comes in the form of my cheeks and my nose and my forehead getting, getting bright red with bumps everywhere and sandpaper like texture. And so I would be, you could probably imagine this really mm-hmm. well in the, this, this scene, but I would be anchoring the news live. <laughs> I'd be live in the broadcast and I would hear in my earpiece from my producer, um, you know, there, Jamie, there's, there's something on your face. There's something on your face. You need to wipe it off. You need, and, and I knew that there was nothing I could wipe off. I knew that it was that, that redness and the bumps kind of, kind of coming through and my makeup breaking up under the, the hot HD lights. And so you know, I started uh, this this season where I was trying to find something that would work, that would that would cover, and that wouldn't look like a big thick mask. And so I, I tried everything out there in the department stores um, and the drugstore. Probably stores. spent a lot of money trying to find the right product. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> well, so so I spent my whole paycheck, which wasn't very big, in local news. Um, and it's funny that you say that, Dana, because I remember, you know, I couldn't even afford a lot of the department store brands. I love them. I I would save my paychecks to try and buy one item, but I would try to go get the free samples just to see if it would work. And I, I literally couldn't find anything that worked. And so I was in this, this kind of season of self-doubt where I would be anchoring the news and, you know, we all have an, an inner critic and <laughs> that, that, that's so lovely. And mine would say things like, you know, oh, are, you know, are you going to get fired or, you know, are, are you losing viewers by the minute or are people changing the channel? because of your bright red rosacea. And, you know, I went through this, this, this time where I wasn't sure, you know, what was going to happen. I saw dermatologists and learned there was no cure. I tried Mm -hmm. all of the things you can try and nothing would work. And so I had this kind of this big aha moment where I was like, well, wait a minute, why, why can't I find makeup that works? I've been seeing beauty commercials my whole life and have always loved them and always aspired to look like the people with flawless skin in those commercials. And, you know, and and then of course I realized by that point in my life that all of the ads are typically Photoshopped. And I was like, well, why haven't I ever seen someone with rosacea that's showing how a makeup product works? Or, and I had this kind of this, this light bulb moment where a, I thought, okay, well, if I could figure out how to make something that works for me, I bet it's going to help a whole lot of other people. Um, and I kind of started getting this feeling in my gut or my, my, my intuition. And, but then my head <laughs> talked myself out of it for a long time. So, you know, I, I, I felt like I should do it. And my head was like, well, you know, you're not qualified or you don't have the right connections or you don't have enough money or whatever it was, right. All the, all these things that I was telling myself, um, and I, I remember this this moment where I just couldn't shake that that kind of knowing, I guess, that feeling in my gut, and I made the decision to trust it. 
Um, even though I didn't know how the heck it was all going to work out, even though my mind kept telling me, well, you're in your dream job <laughs> and everything else, I just couldn't shake that, that feeling. And I feel like so many of our most important moments that define our lives come down to if we're willing to to trust ourselves and to to step into to to our knowing and, and to trust it. And so I did made the decision to um, literally quit my job um, and on my honeymoon flight to, to South Africa, wrote the business plan with my husband, got back, both quit our jobs, had very little savings, poured it all into the business. And um, anyone listening who's an entrepreneur might might share this and understand this, but oh my gosh, I I had no idea. And I thought I worked hard my whole life. I had a lot of jobs and <laughs> I had no idea how hard it would be to be an entrepreneur um, when it's all on you, unremitting 24 uh, seven. And at that moment, um, it would be three years before I could afford to pay myself and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of no's as I started. You know, now, Dana, everyone sees like, oh, it cosmetics. It's, you know, right now it's the, the largest luxury makeup company in, in the United States. But but it was literally the first three years was mm-hmm. hundreds mm-hmm. of no's, all of the beauty retailers saying um, that it's not the right fit for them. They, they didn't believe uh, that it had a place in the beauty industry. It's incredible. We'll be back with more of this interview after this. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. We have a record number of people in America today who are actually quitting their jobs. They spent the last year um, in COVID maybe reevaluating what they want to do with their lives. Some of them are going to make decisions to, t- to take a risk and start a business. I have, a, I have always wondered this. If you have an idea for a product that you want to create, so let's say it's makeup, how, who, who's, your, who's your first phone call? Like, how does that actually happen? Do you call a scientist or a dev- I don't I have no idea who you call first. Yeah, so I'll I'll share the the my journey on how on how I navigated that um, because the big blessing in 2021, of course, is that Google is plentiful, <laughs> and and just to just to be able to do free research because you know anyone quitting their job, even if they have a great savings account, which I didn't at the time, but I still say every penny matters when you start that journey of becoming an entrepreneur. So anything that all of the research you can do um, without paying someone for is so valuable and um, and as many jobs, as many hats as you can wear without ha- having to hire is also so important in those early years. I mean, to give you perspective, we were down to under a thousand dollars in our, our like everyone knows we sold the business for over a billion dollars cash to L'Oreal. And it's this huge fairy tale. But the the reality was those first three years, we were often down to under a thousand dollars total in our combined company and personal account. And it was, you know, what the life of the business surviving um, really came down to us figuring out how to be resourceful um, when you can't afford to hire other people or you can't afford to hire big advertising firms or anything else. And so, um, you know, of course, Google is really great, but, you know, I got really scrappy. And I think, I think, 
this is really important. Um, thanks for asking this question too, by the way, because I think a lot of people um, are lost and they see everything on social media that people put out and it makes it look easy or, you know, it makes it look like they're highlight reel. And they're like, well, why am I not getting traction in my own business? Or was my gut wrong to quit my job and take this risk? And, you know, for us in the early years, like I um, figured out how to do every job because I couldn't afford to hire. Right. So, so I used my middle name. <laughs> like, so my name is Jamie Marie Kern Lima and Marie got her own email address, Marie at itcosmetics.com. And she was head of PR and she would <laughs> like, she, if this were 2021, Marie would email and be like, Dana, great news. Our founder, you've never heard of Jamie Kern Lima is available <laughs> for an interview. And like Marie was a hustler and, you know, just trying to figure it all out. But the way that I initially um, started formulating products was so scrappy. I, I first I, I walked into every beauty retailer, and you know I, I was familiar with most of the brands, but I made a list of every single brand that I thought had great products in Sephora and Ulta and uh, in the department stores. And then um, what I learned quickly was who a brand manufactures with, because there's all of these third-party manufacturing facilities. Um, and a lot of brands have their own manufacturing, but a lot, even those will also use the third-party ones. It's like their most closely guarded secret. So no one will tell you who they manufacture with. Well, you know, I did some research and, and I quickly learned you want to, you know, only work with, you know, FDA regulatory compliant manufacturers and you know, all of those things. And so what I did was I literally just started cold calling every single makeup company and beauty company. And whoever I could get on the phone, I would say, oh, I'm looking for a referral to a really great manufacturer. Can you help me? And they would all typically hang up on me or say, no, you know, no, I'm sorry, we don't share that information. And I got one person on the phone who sounded very green in her, in her career and she was lovely and she told me exactly who they manufacture with, um, which was a place in New York City. And I thanked her and I uh, reached out to them and got a meeting and that was, that became our very first manufacturer. Um, mm. And, you know, that was a big blessing. And, you know, I felt, you know, the, the brand that actually told me that info wasn't even a competitor in any way, shape or form. So that was, that was good for them. But, um, I literally cold called, went to trade shows, walked the floors, um, tried to learn as much as I possibly could. Um, and, um, made a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah. I think that's the key, right? Is that you make mistakes. There's this young woman the other day here at Fox and she's, uh, fairly new to our team on the five. And, we do this thing at the end of the show called One More Thing. And I had been out the week before on vacation, and then I come in, and we ha you have to come up with something to tell you one more thing. Like I, I'll maybe promote a book, like your book, for example, or I'll show a funny little dog video or something like that. Usually it's animal videos, things you get from the Internet. And so I found this one of this little – well, she found it for me – of this uh, small dog that couldn't get out of a pool, so figured out how to get through the filter – to get up out of the pool. And I thought, oh, that's so cute. So I'm doing it. And my colleague, my co-host says, hey, I did that one last week. And we laughed about it. I said, well, I didn't know that. And then, of course, in our ears, the producer's like, my fault. I'll take responsibility, like the executive producer. Well, then this young woman, she contacted me and she was mortified that this had happened. And she, she said, I, it will never, ever, ever happen again. And I'm so sorry. And she was really, you know, from my perspective, for the issue that it was, make it a mountain out of a mohill. But that's what you do when you're 
young and you make a mistake and you learn from them. And that's like part of the importance of figuring out how to not beat yourself up uh, for that afterwards. Besides, it ended up being pretty funny because I got made fun of. I I wanted to ask you this. Your product, once you get it on, you, you, you're able to get to QVC, which I know is not an easy thing to get on, and then it sells out, I believe, in 10 minutes. What went through your mind at that moment? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I cried on national television. <laughs> um, it was a real journey. And really quick, just to share that that one thought real quick on what you just shared. Um, I love so much that you share that. I think that not just young people, of course, but especially women are scared to make mistakes. And, you know, anyone who's, and this is so important for so many uh, people listening right now who are like going after their dreams or maybe, you know, tempted to launch their own business or whatever it is. I feel like so many, especially women, because we're often raised people pleasers or perfectionists, or, you know, we are scared to do stuff unless we think we're going to do it perfect, or we're scared to fail, or we're scared of rejection. And, you know, when I look back on this and, and, um, you know, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of no's and so many rejections along this journey of, of building this company, um, that I really feel like, Dana, if I didn't figure out how to just you know, I'm, I, I have fears of, you know, missing out on my calling God has on my life. I have, I definitely have some fears in my life, but I learned how to become fearless when it comes to failure um, and fearless when it comes to rejection. And I think those two things, especially for women, especially for anyone who's going to go after a dream or, 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 or take a risk. I think when we can truly embrace failure and like equate it in our own minds as like, oh, this is great. Cause I'm someone who's actually going after my dream. So of course I'm gonna have failure along the way. When we, when we flip the script in our own minds about it, that's when I think that we really are able to like step into our dreams and, and not talk ourselves out of our own truth. And I just, think that that's so important. And so I'm not surprised that she freaked out about the, the <laughs> video having it played second week in a row. Of course, I'm sure she adores and idolizes you and would never want to let you down any of those things. But, but, um, but I love just hearing how you handled it with her too, because I think like, um, I think, you know, one of my greatest gosh, joys right now as a, a mentor to so many other women is encouraging them to freaking fail, <laughs> like yeah. go for it, like fail and don't be afraid of rejection. And, and to answer your question about QVC, you know, for, for anyone not familiar with it, of course, it's a, it's a live television shopping channel. They're broadcast to, to hundred million homes. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, I'd always knew in my gut, we should be on QVC with my products, right? But they literally said no hundreds of times. I mean, it was two and a half years of constant no's. Every time I'd send them products, every time I would finally get someone on the phone, every time it was always a no. Um, their head guy once told me, uh, "You're, you know, we reviewed your products with all of our buyers. It's, it's unanimous. You're not the right fit for QVC um, or for our customers." And when people say words like that to us, it's easy to let them take root or to think like, "Oh." my gut must've been wrong or, oh, you know, after the first no or the second no or the 20th no, we, 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 we think like, oh, maybe, it, maybe I don't have what it takes or maybe I should change my brand or change my product or change who I am uh, so that I can fit in and get a shot. And I think that, you know, I've learned, I talk a lot about this and believe it in, in my book, I've learned about how you, you just can't fake authenticity. And the only way to ever build anything that matters and that lasts is, is to do it at a million percent authentically. Um, and it's the only way customers will connect with us or viewers or, or 
or friends and family is, is when we show up fully authentically. And so, you know, I, over the years of QVC saying no, um, you know, I, I just kept basically learning how to turn down the volume on their rejection <laughs> over and over and, and, and turn up the volume on that, that, that knowing I had in my gut that kept saying you're supposed to be on QVC. And, you know, um, that moment was one of the most life-changing moments uh, for me, um, because it also taught me one of, one of life's greatest lessons. And, and here's what I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, we hear a lot of thought leaders talk about identifying your why, whether it's for your company or for your own personal goals, like the real why behind, you know, your mission or why you're doing what you're doing. Because when you have a really strong why, you can lean on it when times get tough or when you get knocked down. And early on, I had identified, okay, I don't just want to create a beauty brand with great products that work. And of course, I want to do that. And of course, I want to help millions of people. But when I really peeled back the layers on on my why, and I had that epiphany that I'd never seen women with, with problematic skin as models, what I realized is even though I loved all those beauty ads my whole life, they did always make me feel like, even as a little girl, they I loved them, but they made me feel like almost like I wasn't enough. Um, And so I had this kind of vision that, you know, at the time, no one else was doing this. This was the start of YouTube before any of this was was happening at all out there. And I I just had this vision of, well, what if I show my bright red rosacea? And what if I book models of all ages and shapes and sizes and skin tones and skin challenges and call them beautiful and mean it? And what if I can actually try to shift the definition of beauty itself inside the beauty industry uh, for every little girl out there who's about to see those images and start doubting herself and every grown woman who does. So I had this deep why. And after a few years of of QVC saying no, part of what kept me going aside from just prayer and listening and having that feeling, that still small voice saying I'm supposed to keep going and, and trusting it. In addition to that, I just, you know, I had this deep why and it was bigger than me. It was bigger than making money. It was bigger than, I just, I really believe that the beauty industry needed to change. And so I, I kept sticking to that belief. And here's the crazy part is when after a few years, we finally got one shot on QVC. And this is every retailer, Sephora, Ulta, department stores, all saying no, 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 no. And we we finally got a yes from QVC. And Dana, what it meant was we got 10 minutes, right? 10 minutes to go on air live. And you know by the second if you're hitting their sales goal. Um, and 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 uh, I learned that in 10 minutes, I would need to sell over 6,000 units of our concealer uh, to hit their sales goal or not come back. And now, mind you, we're doing one to two orders a day on our website. Like that's mm-hmm. it, right? Barely keeping the lights on. And at this point, I didn't know how we were going to stay in business. And this was a consignment offer from QVC. And what that meant was I had to figure out how do we pay for and manufacture all 6,000, over 6,000 units of product, get it to them. And we would only be paid for whatever sold. So if I went on air after all that, we borrowed money to do it, which we did. And I went on air and after all that, it didn't, it didn't sell. And we had to take it all back. Uh, we for sure would be bankrupt. And at this point, it was like, okay, um, it's kind of our, our last big shot because we didn't know how we were going to survive. And so anyhow, um, we get this, this one airing of 10 minutes and, uh, and 
how I learned probably one of the greatest lessons of my life was um, we hired a third party consultants who are awesome. They help a lot of people sell their products really well on television and in stores and, and they're, they change a lot of lives and they're amazing. And we hired them to, you know, to, cause we had one shot and I'm like, okay, in our 10 minute window, how should I present the product and what should we do? And they all told me the same thing. They said, okay, if you want to have a chance at success, here's what you need to do. You need to use this type of model, which they were all the same, like same age, same flawless skin. Um, and here, you know, and I'm like, okay, but that's not authentic to, to my brand. Like, like the reason why I created this brand was to try and shift culture in the beauty industry. And, and, and I would say to them, what if I go on live national television and just take my makeup off? Like, what if I show my bright red rosacea and then I, I prove live that the product actually works? And they were mortified about this idea. I'm like, what if I put a model in her seventies and, and someone with acne prone skin and, you know, and, and, and here's the thing is they really wanted the best for me. They wanted me to win. Um, but often people are only able to give us advice through the lens of their own experience or their own inexperience, mm-hmm. or their own fear or right. You name it. This includes friends and family too. Um, <laughs> but their advice was like, listen, this is, if you want the best shot at succeeding, here's what you need to do. So I was really torn because I was in the spot that I think a lot of us find ourselves in life in where like my gut, my, my intuition was telling me one thing. Um, but the experts were telling me another and like, I had no proof that I was right. And in fact, I had a couple years of proof that I wasn't right. (laughs) Right. And so I, I flew out to QVC a week before this big one chance I had this big, this big shot of, of 10 minutes live on air. I flew out there in Pennsylvania to Pennsylvania a week before. And, um, I, I, I remember sitting in this rental car all alone in the QVC parking lot. Um, and I sat there every day for a week, uh, because I knew I had one shot and I was praying and crying. And I remember at one moment, just like being tempted to just do it their way. And I thought, well, maybe if I, I go against my own, you know, authentic mission, maybe if I try it their way and it works, then after a while I can try it my way. Like I had all these thoughts, right? And there was one moment in that car as I just sat there where I just, you know, try to remember, okay, who is my customer? Like, who is that woman sitting on the other end of the TV? And, you know, for whatever reason, I kept imagining like a single mom in Nebraska folding laundry, who's Mm -hmm. way too Mm -hmm. to remember she mattered. And I just thought, you know what, if, if she, if I'm going to be blessed with two seconds of her time, if she's going to turn that television on and see me even for a second, like, I would rather have her look up at the TV and see me showing women who look like her and calling them beautiful and meaning it. I'd rather do that and have her buy nothing than, than sell a ton of product and stand for nothing. Um, and so I knew what I had to do, but, but sometimes in life, you know, it's easy to know what we stand for, but then to actually live it is, is a whole nother thing. But these are the, the moments that, that define our life. And so um, to wrap this up quickly, I, I, um, I remember walking in the studio and um, uh, standing next to the host and these, these 
four cameras were in front of us and the, there's a big clock on the floor. That's the countdown clock. So it had our 10 minute, you know, and I remember the second the on-air, the bright red on-air lights went on and the clock was like 9.59, 9.58. I was like, <gasps> and I remember shaking Dana so bad. I had double spanks on that day. And I was like sweating, <laughs> like dripping sweat freaking out. I remember the moment my bare face came up on a national television, my bare bright red before shot. And I walked over to the models and they were all ages and shapes and sizes and just called them beautiful and meant it and showed how the product worked live. And I remember at the, um, literally right at the 10 minute mark, this huge sold out sign went up across the screen because the host was like, yeah, I didn't know how we were doing. Oh, by the way, I learned right before, if we weren't doing well, you're not guaranteed the 10 minutes. So your clock might jump to like, you might be eight minutes in in two minutes Mm. in. And if you're not doing well, your clock could go from eight down to one minute left and you just lost all your money. And (laughs) so it was like a lot of pressure. And anyways, yeah, that uh, was like a minute left. The host was like the deep shades almost gone, the tangent. And then right at the 10 minute mark, this huge sold out sign came up across the screen. I start crying on national TV. And I remember my, um, my husband came running through the double doors of the studio and I was like, real women have spoken. And he's like, (laughs) we're not going bankrupt. And, um, and that was, and then that one airing turned into five that year and 101 the next year. And eventually we did over 200 shows live a year, every year, um, and built the, the, the biggest beauty brand in QVC's history. And it is right now as, as we're talking, it is to this day, um, at this moment, the, the biggest beauty brand in QVC's history. And I only share that because it was literally years of them saying no, and you're not the right fit. And, you know, anyone out there who has somebody telling them, no, you're not the right fit. I just say like, when your gut is telling you to keep going or your faith or your prayer, however you, you hear your intuition. um, Again, those are the moments that change our life when we learn to trust ourselves. And L'Oreal was watching um, and you sold to L'Oreal in 2016. As you mentioned, you know, this record breaking $1.2 billion. What I think is so interesting about you is that, as for, from what I can tell, and from uh, by reputation, it seems when you talk about authenticity, like none of this success has changed you and who you are. And that is, I think, sometimes difficult because a lot of different things change for you um, in terms of your know, material goods or like your, your wor- you change, you have different worries. Everyone's going to have worries that now you have different worries. It's like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to fill the orders? How are we going to grow? How are we going to make this commitment um, or fulfill this commitment? And you talk about the importance of trusting your authentic self. And I think that just shines through in what you're saying here and what you write in the book. You know, my whole intention behind writing Believe It was, you know, because a lot of people go, oh, you know, they think my story is like Denny's waitress builds billion dollar company. And that's part of it. But my real story is a story of a girl who went from, you know, not believing in herself to learning Mm -hmm. how to believe in herself and like not even be able to hear my own gut to learning how to hear it and trust it. And my whole intention is I think that you know, when we, when we learn how, or at least when we start that journey of learning how to, how to overcome self-doubt and embrace who we authentically are, I think that's, I think when we, when we're doing things that are aligned with our truth or our calling, or when we feel like we're actually stepping into all of who we are, I think that's where we find joy and fulfillment and peace. And a lot of people are so feeling so lost in the sense of like, what's my purpose and what do I, right. But it's because 
it's so easy to chase the wrong things. It's so easy to chase the things that the world tells us significance looks like. Um, but then when we do those things and any achiever out there listening, who's achieved this and that and get that, got this award or got this, whatever fancy car, whatever it is, we get it. And we're like, wait a minute, this didn't bring me the kind of joy <laughs> that I thought it would. I still don't feel filled up. And I think it's because we, you know, often, um, are valued when we chase the wrong things. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, I was tempted often to do that along the journey. Um, but resisting that I think is even how L'Oreal bought us for over a billion dollars. And what I mean by that is, you know, L'Oreal is the largest beauty company in the world. And so they, you know, have probably what 40 something brands now, I think it was, it was in the thirties. Um, uh, when we partnered with them and, but here's the thing, it was a number of years I met with L'Oreal and I'd hoped we could do a partnership one day or that they would buy our company one day so that we were able to take our, our, you know, what I believe is a life-changing message in the beauty industry. I wanted to scale it globally. And we started doing that ourselves. We, we launched into Southeast Asia and Australia and Thailand. And I quickly realized like, oh my goodness, if we're going to do this ourselves out of our own office and try to learn regulatory compliance, that's different in every single country and under, truly understand the authentic local culture and understand HR laws, we're going to scale pretty slow because it's pretty hard to do. And so I had this vision early on, if we could partner with L'Oreal um, that, that already has, you know, uh, great teams on the ground in over a hundred countries. We, you know, for me, my goal was the vision and the mission and how can we scale it uh, globally. But anyhow, I had that dream, but then every time we would meet with L'Oreal, they weren't interested or they didn't think we had enough proof of concept yet to, for them to uh, be interested. And, and here's what I want to share, Dana, is I remember going to meetings at L'Oreal, literally feeling, I don't know if you've seen that movie, Devil Wears Prada, where Anne Hathaway oh, yeah. is like, of course. where am I? <laughs> That's kind of how I felt <laughs> walking into the amazing L'Oreal headquarters in Paris. I'm like, Oh wait, I'm not in my couture head to toe today. <laughs> it's so intimidating, I know. Yeah, and and here's the thing is that you know, all of the years though when I went into those meetings and I didn't fit in and I I had a, a brand that was, you know, making luxury and beautiful formulas accessible and relatable and attainable. Um for a long time no one believed in it and I would I would walk in to those meetings and, and, and some of the advice they gave was so helpful, uh, but it was what a lot of their luxury brands were doing. And, and so I always chose to only take advice that felt authentic to our brand. And I chose to never change who I was or how I dressed or how our marketing was or what models we used. or, and, and, and what I want to say is, you know, three, two to three years into meetings with L'Oreal, um, because we, because, you know, there's that, I think it's a famous quote that says you have to be odd to be number one. And we were always kind of a little odd, but we were authentic to this vision because we never changed. Even when all the department stores said, you're not luxurious enough, or you need to use models that are more traditionally aspirational because we never changed who we were authentically we had created something that was actually a value. And why L'Oreal paid $1.2 billion cash for us is because they had a, a lot of other amazing brands, but we didn't compete with any of them. Exactly. Because we were, right? We were doing our own authentic thing. And so we actually complemented their portfolio. We actually brought a whole new vibe and customer base and everything else. And, and so it's just, 
such a great life lesson for, for everyone that, and nowadays, you know, you go out on social media, you, you see, it's so easy to go, oh my gosh, I want to compare myself to all these other things. Maybe I need to change who I am. Maybe I need to show up a different way, but our superpower is our authenticity. All the parts of it, all the parts, even the parts that other people say aren't good enough or that we need to change. It's like, no, when we fully embrace who we are authentically, that's our superpower. And, 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 and also it's the most freeing way to be as well as a, not just an entrepreneur, but, but, or leader in your own company, but just as a human being. Do you have any advice that you have picked up because you and Paolo became parents and I, a lot of people will ask, I'm sure they ask you all the time, um, in your mentoring relationships, uh, for the best work-life balance tips. Do you have any little secret tips that you pass on to anyone? Yeah. You know, I, this is an area of my life that, and I talk about this and believe it for the first time, because I really, I've read so many books where I feel like, oh, that's great. But like, how, how is this going to change my life? Or what, like, what's the real story behind the story that I can actually right. connect with? And so when I wrote Believe It, I wanted to share the real stuff, the stuff I'm not proud of, the stuff I did right but also a lot of stuff I did wrong. And one of the things I really did wrong was I became so addicted to work. And I think that, you know, I worked so hard for so long getting constant no's and constant rejection that I went through a season when we started having success for the first time. We started getting into Sephora and into Ulta and into department stores. I almost couldn't believe it for a while. And I felt at every moment I need to strike while the iron's hot and I need to work harder and harder. And I ended up doing hundred hour weeks for about 10 <sighs> years. And I, I, I also loved it. There was nothing else I wanted to do, but I, I quickly realized that uh, I was completely addicted to work and, you know, busyness or work addiction uh, is like any other addiction. It's, it, it numbs us. It separates you from you. Right. And it's uh, and I learned like, oh, wow. And 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 learning that was also part of why we chose to partner with L'Oreal, because I was like, I need to. Um, I didn't trust myself in that moment to trust myself to learn how to achieve some level of balance. I knew I needed to really put in a lot of work. Um, I was raised by two parents who, uh, you know, were were such hard workers, and and their business was in a constant state of either doing well or not, fluctuating at any moment. But they did hundred hour weeks, right? And I I found myself repeating that. <laughs> I was like, oh no! When we start repeating some of the stuff our parents do, we're like, okay, <laughs> and. So so I, I knew I needed to take some time and figure this out. And so, you know, that idea of, of balance has been a journey for me. Um, and I've, I've come to believe that um, when we feel like we have to have balance in the sense of everything kind of being equally in balance, I think that we do feel like we're constantly failing. And, and so I've had to really redefine it for myself. And what I encourage people to do is, to really spend some, because what a lot of people do is when they're with their kids, they're thinking about work. And when they're, when they're at work, they're like distracted with all these other things. And then when they're, you know, supposed to be doing self-care, they feel guilty because they're not with their kids or they're surfing Instagram or so we're never actually where our feet are. And we feel like we're failing all the time. And so I think that the biggest, um, piece of advice that I have around that is to really think through, what is what does balance mean for you in a, in a perfect scenario? Do, and and it's different for everyone. But does it mean, you know, 
two hours a day with your kiddos at night where your phone is completely away, you're totally focused and, and you're right there with them. Does it mean, you know, working, you know, crazy 10, 12, 15 hour days, five days a week, because you love what you do. But on the weekends, you know, I have, I have a girlfriend right now who she is a, I mean, she loves work and she is just so incredible. And she just made a life change about a year ago where, you know, she works so hard all week, barely sees her spouse. And on the weekends, she turns her phone off. Like literally you cannot get a text to her or an email to her or a call to her on the weekends. And she is fully present with her partner. And it's been like totally life-changing for them and for their marriage and their family. Um, so my point is, I think it's different for everyone, but I think that if we're not intentional about what's right for us and then commit to it, commit to being fully present. And, you know, if, if it's an hour a day of self-care, which for some people that will sound like so much and for some people not enough, but let's say it's an hour a day, be fully present. And, and whether it's self-care or soul care, right? Uh, it could be prayer and meditation, but fully present and not feel bad while you're doing it. Or you end up basically feeling bad 24-7 because you're never where your feet are um, and fully embracing it. More to come right after this. My last question for you is, um, you are open about talking about your faith and the plan that God has for you. And you th- seems that that's also an intentional thought, but also a way to express to other people. Have, have you found that your willingness to, to talk about your faith has helped connect you to more people? Yeah, I think that we're in this time where... Um, you know, for a lot of faiths, including the Christian faith, I think that you, in some in some areas, you almost have to be brave to talk about it. Um, yeah, because and, I get that too sometimes with people like if they, they might stop me and say, "Thank you so much for being willing to talk about your faith." And it's yes. interesting because I think going back, right, uh, thousands of years, um, people knew that um, if they talked about their faith, they might be ridiculed or even yes. persecuted or sought out. You know. You could you could put yourself in real danger. Um, obviously, here in America, that's not the case. But there is something about uh, being willing to talk about it that might give others either comfort or assurance that they're yeah. not alone. Yes, I I completely agree, and I also think that you know what I know for sure is like God's favor in my life, not just the open doors, but also those closed doors that I wanted open so badly. And thank God they didn't open. Um, In hindsight, I think God's favor is, is, is how I built a billion dollar company. Yes. I worked really hard. Yes. I kept getting back up every time I got knocked down. Yes. I made the decision to, to believe that I could, even when my head often told me that I couldn't. Um, but I believe his favor is, is, is how I've built a billion dollar company. I believe his favor is in his presence in my life is, you know, how I eventually became a mom after 10 years of infertility. Um, I believe his, 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 my relationship with him is how I've learned to heal over my own, uh, discovery that I was adopted. And, you know, I still haven't, you know, I, I talk about my journey of faith super personally in the book. And by the way, Dana, um, you know, I met with a number of publishers uh, 
uh, in the process, um, as you're, you're so familiar with, I'm the first time author, you're the pro, but I, you know, as you know, I met with, with lots of, um, publishers and I had some publishers challenge me and suggest I should not include the chapter about my faith journey in the book. Yeah. And I believe it. I believe that they told you that, but I'm so glad that you, again, like your instincts are to follow your instincts and and to be yourself. And you wrote every word of your own book. I mean, somebody at your level, sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, but again, yeah, like I, I can tell you wanted to be quite authentic. I did. I just know that you, you, you know, you, you can't fake authenticity. I think people can certainly work with book doctors and with ghostwriters and have it be fully authentic. But yeah, I wrote every single word and I literally prayed at the start of the book, God use me. And I just wanted it to be a book, not you know, for me, but, but for be the words that everyone needs to hear on their own journey of overcoming self-doubt of believing in in who they are, of stepping into, to all of who they are. And, and I'm really honest about faith and I talk a lot and I was scared. I might actually disappoint people, but I talk a lot about my journey of not just overcoming self-doubt and body doubt, but also God doubt. You know, I went through a good decade or two decades in my life where I doubted God existed. And you know, somebody told me something so life-changing one day. They said, well, what makes you think God can't handle your doubt? I'm like, well, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And they go, well, when you pray, try telling God at the end of your prayer, you doubt he exists and ask him to prove you wrong. Like beyond a shadow of a doubt, prove you wrong. And I was like, okay. And that started a multi-year journey of literally every, I might be praying for a friend's health or whatever. And at the end of the prayer, Dana, like this sounds so elementary, but I would be like, and by the way, God, I, I'm, and I would say this silently in my own head, but I would say, I'm doubting you exist. So if you could please show up and prove me wrong, like beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'd be so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I would end every prayer that way. And I share some wow. crazy stories and believe it about how God literally showed up and all but streamed from the rooftops that he exists. And in some cases that was close to what happened. And it's, yeah. So for me, it's like the espresso and the latte, right? Like it's, it's what powers me. It's where I know um, I get, you know, everything, everything from. And so, yeah, I share it super openly, but anybody going through that journey, even if they believe in God, but they really struggle with doubt and God doubt, um, you know, I talk a lot about how how I learned to move past that and break through that in my in my own life as well, and that's been huge for me on my journey. Incredible, incredible. The book is "Believe It: How to Go from Underestimated to Unstoppable," and the amazing, very authentic, terrific author is Jamie Kern Lima. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking with Jamie and felt that she exhibited what everything will be okay talks about at the end of the book, which is that serenity is the path to success. And she works hard at it. She was very open about that. And I think that's a great lesson to take away as we leave this podcast. Next week, we sit down with the little brother I never had, my co-host on The Five, Jesse Waters. He has a new book out and he's sharing his experience as a girl dad and a good advice he's received throughout his career. It's pretty hilarious. I can't wait for you to listen. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. I'm Dana Perino. Everything will be okay.
Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.